What's up, guys? Connor O'Hanlon here for another episode of the Con O Show. And today, we're going to be diving into a lot of topics regarding labor um, because there's been a lot of good stories, for once. We can talk about some good stuff in movements uh, around the country. And we're going to be talking about some interesting characters like Devin Nunes and um, Jussie Smollett. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, all of that stuff um, right here, right now, you are listening um, because you're interested in progressive politics. And this is your first time listening to the show. Please check out the rest of the show and you can um, watch old episodes and whatnot and learn a lot more about um, different topics and uh, dive deeper into some of what our guests have been bringing on, uh, which I will be having guests again. I know a little bit a while ago I was teasing all these guests and it's not happened. It's in the works. It is in the works. And if you have a guest suggestion and you would like to see them on the show, please do let me know. Um, Have me interview them from a progressive perspective. With that being said, we are going to dive right into some of the labor movements that have been going on in the country. So if you didn't know, October was called Striketober in America because across the country we had unprecedented amount of labor activists um, and workers taking uh, taking what is theirs and going on strike and going to fight for their uh, collective rights. And, you know, I'm not the Beastie Boys, so don't... <laughs> Don't take me out of context there, but um, it is so, so important. We talk about this all of the time on this show, and I'm going to talk about this. Um, I'm going to be blunt with you, okay? I am a Democrat. If you're watching this, chances are you are a Democrat or you're a left-leaning independent. Chances are. My opinion is you, and this is, I know... To some, it's going to be fallacious, right? It's technically fallacious, the new no true Scotsman fallacy. But realistically, it's actually not fallacious because we should be selective as to who is in and out of certain parties. What can be used to describe a certain label? Uh, what can be attributed to certain parties, right? The Democratic Party is supposed to be the working class party, one that lifts people up, that helps them up. Instead of giving them handouts, we give them a hand up. We get them people, um, jobs, uh, economies thrive better under Democrats than they do under Republicans historically. Don't just take my word for that. Look it up. Uh, GDP growth, unemployment rate, inflation, all of it is better under Democrats historically than it is under Republicans. I promise you that. Go look it up. Um, All of that is to say, though, the perception of modern day, quote, average Joe, and you can probably picture the why the you could probably picture who I'm talking about and the reason why I put it in quotes is because the historical average Joe um, looks a lot more like me um, and is a little bit older obviously but then uh, what the actual real average Joe w- looks like in America as we become more of a diverse country um, you see things change you see demographics change and those are good things but um the typical 
person that is labeled or seen as the average Joe, a middle-aged white man, has been shifting more and more to the right. And I think um, that's a demographic that folks like us should go after to uh, target for our uh, rhetoric. And that doesn't come with a detriment to saying that Black Lives Matter and trans uh, trans rights matter and all these things that build the, the base and being a progressive intersectional movement. Remember, intersectionality meaning that it crosses over between groups, uh, between class, between race, between gender, uh, between religion, right? All of that uh, is just baseline to say, it may sound fallacious, but it's not. You cannot consider yourself a Democrat, in my opinion, if you do not stand for labor rights. You cannot consider yourself a progressive or a leftist or a uh, just a Democrat in general if you do not stand for labor rights. Now, again, I will emphasize when we talk about labor in that colloquial term that people picture average Joe, realistically, a lot of folks that work middle class and working class jobs are people of different backgrounds, different ethnicity groups. And um, when we speak on labor, old school folks will think one thing, but when I'm talking about it, I mean the actual average Joe or Janet or whatever it would be um, because demographics have shifted. More women are in the workplace. More women are making uh, the primary salary in their families. And when you look at it, again, you have to take into consideration a million different factors again right there just by analyzing the uh, pay gap. But standing up for labor rights is standing up for women's rights. Standing up for labor rights is standing up for gay rights. Standing up for labor rights is standing up for um, a number of any, I mean, just fighting against Islamophobia, as we talked about last week, because if you fight for uh, someone's right for their own um, religious identity to not be persecuted within the workforce, you are being you're being pro-labor whilst also standing up for someone's freedom of uh, religion. I know this is like a weird thing to take this in, this weird um, turn. But I want to lay this all out first because we have to know you have to stand with labor if you want to consider yourself progressive. And labor means all swaths of life, all workers, all workers, not just what we have ingrained in as like a coal miner, a coal miner. They are part of this coalition, not just like someone that works in a steel factory. Again, those people are part of the coalition. It is a coalition, a broad um, mixture of people, of people with different backgrounds. 
And we've lost, we've lost the ground on a lot of this. Working class union folks don't feel at home, whether they be white, black, uh, Christian, Jewish, uh, Muslim, um, they don't feel at home with the Democratic Party as much as they used to. And that is because people have fumbled in standing up for labor rights. It is incumbent upon people like us that believe in progressive values, that believe that everybody has the right to organize and has the right to form a union, which is part of a 21st century Bill of Rights, which is part, which was part of the um, the second Bill of Rights, the uh, that FDR put forth, uh, which was rolled into the 21st century Bill of Rights that Bernie Sanders put forth. These things are vital to having a thorough middle class, a strong working class in this country, rather than a working class at the behest of the capitalist class, which again, there is nothing wrong with being a business owner. I am a strong advocate for small businesses, but small businesses pay their workers fair wages. It's the people and the corporations that take advantage time and time again uh, of the infrastructure of workers and they exploit their labor and they exploit the tax code to pay zero in federal income taxes. I see you, Amazon. I see you, Walmart. I see you, Netflix. I see you. All of these companies pay zero in federal income taxes. They get to use our highways way more than you and I do. They get the benefit of that, make profit off of that, make profit off of the the, uh, FAA. They make profit off off of all these things that are government-sponsored vehicles, not literally vehicles, but vehicles for their vehicles to be used on to transport the goods that you and I buy. The small business owner pays their worker because they know their worker. They know their family, uh, their worker's family. They care about their worker's family. Amazon makes their worker, their drivers pee in bottles. Amazon analyzes if you take, if you don't move fast enough, if you don't move often enough as a warehouse employee. And the reason why they can do this is because Amazon workers don't have a union. The reason why they can do this is because the truck drivers that work for Amazon don't have a union. They'll hire independent contractors so they don't have to pay you health benefits. They'll pay, they'll, <laughs> they'll hire independent contractors so they don't have to pay you a real salary or any real benefits, pay for your retirement. Remember, we talk about these things like their ancient history. A 401k is brand new. A pension plan for your grandparents, for your parents maybe, was the standard. Now we have to rely upon the government, hopefully not cutting social security. And that with the Republicans is a risk. A risk I'm not willing to take, and that's why I'm trying to take action and make sure that we all know about this and know that Social Security can be fixed. Social Security is deliberately underfunded because of the Republicans. But as it comes to labor rights, we have to uh, listen to all walks of life of labor. It's not said enough. When we talk... like. I don't know why, but if we just, if I just said, like, I'm going to go talk to the unions, people picture a certain thing, but that's not the case. Okay. 
We need to break that mold. We also need to break the mold in a different way. We need to break the mold rhetorically, but we also need to break the mold by actually helping people form unions in their workplaces. You know, people overestimate, they definitely overestimate the influence of certain unions, like let's just say the teachers union. I mean, the teachers union over the last year and a half, two years, has been um, bombarded with misinformation, whether it be the local one here in Bucks County, whether it be the local one in Pennsylvania, or whether it be like the teachers union, just broadly speaking, has been bombarded with misinformation, with lies, with smears, with hate, saying that teachers don't want to work, teachers just want to be lazy, do all this other stuff, which is absolutely not the case. I know teachers, so my best friends are teachers. They bust their butt in and out of the classroom to educate kids and frankly to watch kids to help perform uh, a vital part of the economy because if your kids were not in school then somebody has to watch them you either have to pay for them to be watched or they would have to be um you know watched by a grandparent or a sibling or whatever it is and you wouldn't be able to work in a lot of those cases. And I don't have kids, so I don't have that problem. But if I did, and when I hopefully do, there has to be methods of it. And school provides a vital function of both educating and watching your kids. Again, educators, their job is not primarily to watch your kids, but it keeps kids engaged. It keeps kids safe. It keeps kids um, on the right track to be members of society. Now, we have plenty of critiques here of the education system. I definitely do. But that is not at the be, um, that's not to be tackled by teachers in that same sense. It's tackled by school boards and state governments and the federal government. The unions have had to deal, and specifically like the teachers union, other unions, have had to deal with lies spread about them, saying that they're corrupt and they're this and they're that. And Again, we can talk about how unions have to have better representation for their members. That's a fact. But the unions stand up for their workers because somebody has to do it. Because if we didn't, teachers would have been dying at a much higher rate than they are currently. And that's not to say that teachers are safe right now, because trust me, a lot of teachers are are not safe, whether they become from COVID or because of gun safety laws. But that's, again, another whole thing. Workers in this country, not just teachers now, have not seen the benefit of putting their lives on the line, which leads me to talk about the Great Resignation. The Great Resignation is this concept of the last year and a half or so of workers stepping down from their job, quitting their job for multitude of reasons. One would be for another job, two would be to retire, three would be to go back to school, and four would just be to do something else, start a business. What you haven't heard um, when you talk about the economy currently Again, we can talk about the goods and the bads of a Biden economy right now. Unemployment is very, it's getting to be very low, actually. And job creation is increasing. But what you don't hear, and I think is very important, 
is the number of small businesses that have been started over the last year and a half has dramatically increased. That is a good thing. That, I would argue, is one of the best things that an economy could have. Especially if you want to have a healthy and thriving capitalist society. Because if you want to have capitalism survive, you have to have competition. You can't have Amazon owning everything. You can't have uh, Walmart owning the other half of everything. If you want markets to work as they're properly uh, designed to or supposed to be designed to, you have to have competition. So you want to have multiple. Um, you want to have people res- uh, resign from their jobs to start businesses. Now, if you are, you know, Amazon, you don't want that. If you are, um, you know, some other big company, you might not want that. If you if you're like Lockheed Martin and you want your engineers to stay there, uh, maybe. But if you if that engineer quits their job and starts inventing something and starts their own business. That actually might be more beneficial to their local economy, to their local um, community, and potentially could create another large business someday that hires people, that employs people, that pays them living wages. So the Great Resignation has been hyped up as this big monster, but it's only a monster to a small portion of people. For you, for I, or for me, I should say, for you, for me, for your family, most likely, for most of us, a re-evaluation of what our worth is, is good. Because I can tell you, for the most part, you're probably worth more than what you're getting paid. Based on profit of your labor based on productivity of your labor, increased productivity, especially with a higher education level as more of us become higher educated, we're worth more. You are worth more. You deserve to be paid a living wage in which you don't have to struggle paycheck to paycheck. You shouldn't have to be afraid of a $400 surprise bill. You shouldn't have to be afraid of not having medical care or having medical insurance for if you have an emergency. I mean, for me, for example, I'm 25, right? So I'm still on my dad's union insurance, but I'm going to be on my own insurance uh, come January. I rupture my Achilles tendon. If I don't have insurance, I am screwed. I am screwed. The drug cost alone that I had to take to put me under to take the surgery would have been a big hit. That is labor rights. That is fighting for labor rights. Fighting for people that don't have health care, although it's a health care issue, is fighting for labor rights. Because in this country, for better or for worse... I argue for worse, but until we get Medicare for all or anything like that, that's that is similar to a universal health care system for right now, the least thing that your employer can do other than paying you a livable living wage is provide for your medical insurance, because that is how the system is designed. Unfortunately, it's how it was designed back in the 1940s as an alternative. This is the alternative to what other countries at that time and today 
have a universal healthcare system. The Great Resignation provides us with an opportunity to reevaluate that, reevaluate our worth, demand more, demand more in a positive sense, demand more in a way that is logistically sound, demand more in a time where profits have soared for most companies, believe it or not. Companies have been making more money with us, off of our labor. You can see that as good or bad, but I think if the companies are making record profits, that we should be able to live not worrying that we could put bread on the table, not worrying that the family next door might not be able to afford insulin. That is labor rights. Fighting for you, fighting for me, fighting for your neighbor, and really fighting for the small business is fighting for labor rights, standing up for the collective whole, because in the end, a strong working class, a strong middle class makes a strong upper class. Nobody ever talks about that. A strong middle class makes the people at the top, whether we want to tax them more or not, let's take that for what it is, it makes their lives easier because more people with more money means more people that can buy their products, more people that can use their services. I mean, this is this is why modern day institutional um, implementation of capitalism boggles my mind. If you take a, um, not a shareholder approach, which is the shareholder approach is, we need to make as much profit as we possibly can to reap the benefits and um, give our profits to our shareholders and instead take a stakeholder perspective, give employees options for stock in your company to have ownership in their company that they work for and give them the opportunity for pay increases, pay them bonuses rather than paying dividends to shareholders or do both and just give the workers something more than just the bare minimum, not just trying to bleed us dry, maybe working a 35 day, uh, 35 uh, hour work week. All of these things are, are, should be on the table. And without working class folks going on strike, as we've seen with Kellogg's, with um, John Deere, with um, Starbucks now forming a union, a huge step, a huge step in the uh, momentum of labor in this country because there are hundreds and hundreds of stores in this country for Starbucks. And listen, I like to go to small local businesses um, in, you know, like in Doylestown, we have Native Cafe and Nano's uh, as well. I prefer going there. But if those things are closed or a friend wants to go to Starbucks, I'm not going to say no. And I think that the people there, I would feel a lot more comfortable going there if those workers were taken care of and had a union. Because maybe maybe in, in a lot of companies, this is where the, the, the dynamics have to be evaluated. In certain companies, maybe like Starbucks, you might get $12, $13, $14 an hour. That's good. But that's now. What happens when you need to have a new contract or somebody's hired and they are um, not given that wage and they're not given that because by law they don't have to be? 
or they change their policy and say, well, actually, our federal minimum wage is $7.25, so we'll just stick with that. What's stopping them from doing that? What's stopping Amazon from doing that? Nothing. Nothing. Now, they want to act like they're, are, we're the greatest company alive. You know, we give people $12 an hour minimum wage and stuff like that. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But you and I can look at these companies' financial statements. You can log on to the financial, you can log on to the SEC website, look up any of these public companies' uh, financial statements, the ones that they give to the shareholders too, actually look at their cash flows, look at their profits, ignore the de- <laughs> ignore the depreciation, because depreciation usually is used for certain aspects of write-offs, but the financial statements that are given to shareholders more closely represent the actual financial health of the company. They're supposed to represent the financial health of the company. So if you can look at these and say, whoa, they made X billion dollars in profits, in profits, because remember, in profits means after paying all their workers, after paying all their expenses, in profits, net profit, means that some of that, even if you if you sent, let's just say you had 10 billion, you had 10 billion in profits, if you gave 1 billion of that to your workers, that's a lot of of money. Remember, that's a thousand million. Even a f- even that like just that alone is a lot. And we have companies that make billions of dollars in profits. The Kellogg's workers rejected their um, proposed contract. As things move forward, we will see. Uh, what happens there. The Starbucks employees unionizing in the one shop leads a path for other shops to unionize. It leads a path for maybe something like McDonald's, maybe something like uh, those chains like that. Maybe, maybe, because guess what? In Bessemer, I think it's Bessemer, Alabama, they're having another vote to unionize because of the way that the Amazon uh, vote happened. We need a thriving labor movement in this country. And I will reiterate, if you don't support workers' rights to unionize, you are not a progressive. If you don't support raising a wage to a living wage, you are not a progressive, you are not even, shouldn't even consider yourself a Democrat. If you don't think that people should be able to live off of working 40 hours a week, which again is an arbitrary number, but for our economy and right now, if you think that people shouldn't be able to work 40 hours, a full-time job and make a living wage, you are not Standing with labor, you are not a progressive. You shouldn't consider yourself a Democrat. And realistically, you are working against your own interests. You are working against the interests of your neighbor. You are working against the interests of the small business owner that is supposed to be your friend in your town or your city. These things matter. Unionizing matters. Standing up with workers of all backgrounds, not just ones that look like you, matters.
And that goes for that goes for people that 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 don't um, fit that stereotype, right? Stand with your workers that are different than you, that have different opinions than you. And guess what? I guarantee you have a lot more in common than you think. You have a lot more to fight together with than you have to fight against each other with. And with collective power, the right to collective bargain for better uh, wages, better retirement, better um, medical insurance, life will improve. And that is the goal of politics. That's the goal of this show. That's the goal of my own career. Better the lives of as many people as we possibly can. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. So with that being said... If you guys are enjoying the show, hit the subscribe button down below. Hit the thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, hit the follow or whatever that subscribe button may look like. Leave a five-star review if you're enjoying it. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to follow us on the social media. And um, patreon.com slash show where you can support the show for as little as $5 a month um, financially. And you can help back the show. With that, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Con O Show. Uh, I am your host, Connor O'Hanlon, and we're going to get into a big shift here. Um, These are much smaller topics. These are much easier topics to kind of just digest, talk about, move on. Um, the first one would be the resignation, and this didn't really get that much uh, coverage. I didn't see it much at all. I mean, when I, I'm looking over to my computer screen on my left here, uh, when I look it up, there is a good amount of coverage, but realistically, I didn't really hear too much about it. But Devin Nunes, who you may recall was a vital part of the 2020 and the 29 or was it 2018? The first and second impeachment uh, trial of Donald Trump. Um, big Trump supporter, uh, big um, spreader of mis- misinformation, big liar, um, big, <laughs> no more nice words, <laughs> um, who was a former dairy uh, farmer, of course getting trolled, as most people know, by uh, a Twitter account called Devin Nunez's Cow, uh, which he got triggered by and would flip out and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, He is resigning from Congress. An interesting choice. Um, Not out of disgrace, although you could probably argue he should. Uh, not out of any real, you know, not out of a real scandal or anything like that, but more so in the grifty sense. He wants to join the right-wing grift, and what better way than aligning himself even further with the former president, the disgraced president, Donald Trump? By joining him on a venture for a media, I'm going to put this in quotes, empire. (laughs) Now, I don't know, I don't know what is actually coming of this Trump media empire thing, this Trump media network or whatever it's going to be. 
Uh, I've been hearing since the day he lost that this was going to be the plan. You know, for a billionaire, it does sure seem to be taking a very long time uh, to launch this. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of the folks that worked within the Trump administration, let's just run down some of them, Kaylee McEnany on Fox News, Sean Spicer, I believe, has his own Newsmax or News, yeah, Newsmax, I think is the right uh, outlet, Newsmax show. Um, Mike Pence, obviously, is probably going to consider running for president. He's going to lose. Um, who else? Who else? We. I wish I just had like a guest just throwing me throwing me the names. There's there's a bunch of people that just got thrown into. I don't know where Sarah Huckabee Sanders went. Chris Christie, of course, being on um, MSNBC all the time, uh, which is disgraceful. Um, shouldn't be allowed on there, but whatever. Um, a lot of these folks are within the media. They have uh, usurped. What would have sh- or should have been shame for their actions and their inactions in stopping um, a lot of what Trump did. Now, of course, this goes into a longer conversation, which I won't dive too deep into it, but into the rehabilitation of folks like this, like Sean Spicer, which for those who don't remember was the press secretary who continuously lied to the American people. He would lie. He lied about the, remember, the big big first one, the big lie about the um, size of Donald Trump's inaugural speech. With, With him leaving, then you had Anthony Scaramucci, which is another big one, who is like this big resistance guy on Twitter now. But of course, he's still a Republican. Um, He's still a piece of garbage. Um, And people get lifted up and rehabilitated very fast in that realm. And it's always Republicans that get the rehabilitation treatment. It's never Democrats, uh, for the most part. It's never progressives, God forbid. Um, And... It's always like here, here's a here's a here's a guest spot on this show, or here's your own show, even though you're not you're not informing, you're not informative, you're not that bright um, as like you know some folks some folks might have a little bit more impact and and influence uh, in actually putting forth policy or actually putting forth a uh, good anal- uh, analysis, but most of these folks are just because their sphere of influence like the Megan McCain's, like the Tucker Carlson's, but although Tucker Carlson is disgusting, he is a trust fund baby, white supremacist, <laughs> he does have skill in what he does, and that's what makes him a threat more so than other folks. Um, but Devin Nunes has about the same personality as like a piece of rye toast. He's going to struggle with this. I don't know what his like actual position is supposed to be like, at this new media thing, but maybe he just rolls it and parlays it into being a part of the Trump administration. God forbid if we lose, um, even if, you know, 
I don't even want to think. I don't want to think like that. Um, we're not going to lose him. Um, even if ooh, that's going to be an interesting Republican primary. I'll, I hope we're still doing this show, you know, when that comes along. I, you know, with your support, we will be. Um, it just will be an interesting time to watch these folks that continuously shift back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm a Trumper, I'm not a Trumper, I'm a Trumper, I'm not a Trumper, right? Very quickly, if it was, I think this is an interesting point to bring up. Depending on who the Democrat is in 2024 as well, those like Lincoln Project folks, uh, they're not your friend, they're grifters. Um, if they actually helped get Democrats elected, it would be one thing. But they're just Republicans. They're making a lot of money off of it. The donations that people... Like, I know I've talked about this way back. This was like before the 2020 pro- uh, election. The Lincoln Project and one and things like that. Don't donate to them. Donate to things that... One, you could directly donate to candidates. So if you like... Let's just say, I'm a big fan. I like Charles Booker, right? I don't live in Kentucky. And I'm not going to give to the Lincoln Project to run an ad against Rand Paul. I would just say, here, Charles Booker, here's some money for your campaign. Because the campaigns are going to know how to use it better. I would at least give it to like, the DCCC, the PCCC, the HDCC, the SDCC, all the, you know, all those like different committees, right? At least give it to the organizing parties uh, with or organizing groups in parties or supportive of it, like the Working Families Party, the Justice Democrats, right? Any of these things, because these like PACs are for self-aggrandizement a lot of these packs and again like i'm saying this as somebody that someday like oh i might start a pack for this or for that but like you can look at what these people are paid that's a difference you can always tell if somebody's getting paid millions of dollars for running a pack you know it's a scam that's the lincoln project this is a this is going to be a for-profit thing with Nunes and Trump. But I think it's just going to be a like a campaign arm for a while. And that's just all it's going to be. It's going to fizzle out if it even happens. That's the other thing. It's like who knows with these people. Um Trump's been going on a lot of news lately. He's been going on Fox and News uh, Newsmax. I know I keep mixing up. Um and he's been getting around again so it'll be interesting to see 2022 how it is impacted by the the potential presence of donald trump 2023 if he actually announces will be more impacted by it and then 2024 obviously is its own freaking monster and i say who runs for the democrats not to say that joe biden won't run but just because joe biden is uh running for 2020 said he's only going to do one term he is saying now that he uh has been looking at a second term that's fine um i would presume that like this front runner would be kamala if not joe you know we will hash that out later um but it's just important to note like 
all of that is building towards 2024. Like 2024 is going to be, and I mean the election, not just the year, is going to be crazy. It'll be so interesting to see like how this, these like media impacts and all that other stuff builds up in a hopefully post-pandemic world. And I say hopefully just because we're likely just going to be living with COVID and hopefully just having to get, you know, every shot every once in a while and just like preventing the spread because, of course, the Trump misinformation, the media information, the manipulation of (sighs) grifters. That really bummed me out just thinking about all the folks that, uh, really just want to make a quick dollar off of spreading misinformation and oh man that's just going to be an interesting build up is all I have to say on that front um, the next the next, we'll just move on from this because that's just depressing to think about uh, the next thing would be uh, the Jesse Smollett again I don't know that I'm saying his name right uh, I think it's Smollett doesn't matter um, has been found guilty. He was found guilty literally minutes before I hopped on to record. Um, and I just want to point out the the importance of this more in the weaving in our intersectionality again. Because when someone lies... If somebody lies, he has been proven. I don't even have to say allegedly anymore, but he's been uh, charged with it. When someone lies about a hate crime, when, and then again, I'm putting this in here because it's not common, but when people lie about sexual misconduct or whatever, They should be punished. Because, and I mean punished in the sense of take into account all of my normal, we need restorative justice, we need all that stuff, right? They should be punished because they're attempting to ruin someone's life over a lie. And a lie that we should not have to deal with as a society the allegation of sexual assault should hold weight but if you if you have a fake uh, accusation again i'm emphasizing this for anybody that would might take this out of context i am talking about the rare case that someone lies That person should be punished because they are trying to ruin somebody's life based on fake accusations. With this case, a fake hate crime lessens the impact of the story of a real, the potentially real hate crimes that happen in this country. 
as we've seen rising anti-Semitism, have you seen rising homophobia and transphobia? We need to stand against the hate on that end, obviously, obviously. But we need to point out those fake um, ones and say, you need to be punished for that. I know it's like, it's almost elementary. And I feel weird even saying it, but it's in some, in some circles that might be controversial, but I mean it. If you are willing to lie about somebody like that, you are undermining every sexual assault victim uh, survivor. You're undermining every hate victim, a hate crime survivor, their experience and their trauma and their lived experiences. It's so rare, but the times that it does happen, as in this case, need to be uh, have a light shone on them and said, that is wrong. If if you do this, you're going to be punished for X, Y, or Z. I, I don't know why it feels weird saying it. It's just like a weird climate now where, uh, everything has to be super qualified. Um, because this case with Jesse Smollett was so, uh, impactful was everywhere. And it's disgusting. And it's sad. It's just, I know people that have been raped. I know people, we all do, really. I know people that have told me. I know people that have been uh, harassed for their gender. I know people that have been harassed for their um, sexuality. I've had, I had a, I had somebody that claims they listen to every one of these shows. So if you're listening, awesome. Saw them on Thanksgiving Eve as we were indulging in some, uh, extracurricular activities, AKA drinking the night before Thanksgiving. Um, as, as is normal as a 25 year old, right? Right, my fellow youngsters. Um, and he said, you know, I listened to all your shows, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I appreciate you talking about this, that, and the other thing. But they told me that they've experienced bigotry in our school. We went to the same high school in since since graduating and in our town. And... It puts a little bit more of like a fire in under like my butt to be like, hey, like you have to do this because you come from this place of privilege. Um, but lying about it is so unacceptable. I don't know what else to say about it other than just know it and like saying you you have to be like some level of like sociopath to do that and. If you have to go through that, if you have to go through real trauma, 
But if you have to also go through being falsely accused, I'm sorry for that. And we should be better as a society and we should be able to uh, actually go through the steps of justice in this country. Again, we always talk about the reform, uh, reformative justice. Um, but just pointing out the case, like this case was such a big, with such big news, and it's always going to be used as uh, an example when we have friends and family that uh, step up and say, like, this happened to me, and be like, well, uh, that could be false because blah, blah, blah. And that's also why it's important for, like, the Me Too movement and pl- things like that to tell people's stories, um, not just to drag people down, but to get trauma out in a productive and, uh, you know, uh, I just leave it a productive way. Building community around it, being able to move forward. That is the real part of why people share their trauma and why they should be able to share it. And the lying just undermines the whole thing. So I'm hoping, you know, moving forward, this there's less of that. And even again, there's not much of it to begin with, but just pointing it out. And um, it's an important because it's a big story as we uh, move into 2022. And we have lots and lo- lots and lots of things coming up. Um, we may have some special announcements soon enough, but we have to wait and see. Uh, the Pennsylvania maps are being drawn. The Pennsylvania congressional map leaving Pennsylvania's first congressional district mostly intact the way that it was. Uh, But we may have some changes and we may have changes on uh, the local level that we certainly on this program will discuss in a number of ways potentially. So that's about as much hinting as I can give you. I'm cutting it a little bit short today. Um, But if you enjoy the show, hit the thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe, uh, follow the show on Apple and Spotify. That would be huge. Leaving reviews is also very, very important. You could support the show, uh, help me pay my editor, Josh, and hopefully maybe someday pay my editor or me, my producer, Lindsay, who previously was my campaign manager and who knows what we have in store there. Uh, follow her page, the good at good folk project on Instagram, by the way. She's been helping me out a lot on the show. Her and Josh been stepping up the quality, making it much better because I'm just a piece of garbage that just shoots these. <laughs> I just sit in front of the camera. Uh, it's so much easier on this side. But um, yeah, go follow them. And uh, with that, you can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Con O'Hanlon. With all of that being said, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe, and I will see you next week. Peace.